The Sports Career Podcast, episode 286. How can education innovate the esports industry? Hello Sports Achiever and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you an expert in a particular sector in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the esports sector. I hope today's episode can support your sports career development, interests and needs. Now, before I talk about this week's podcast special guest, I just want to take the time to say a massive thank you to the people who've left a review and rating with regards to this podcast show. It's been a real passion project and very recently hit seven years on the show. So I'm super grateful for your support. And do you know what? I'm just grateful for you being part of this journey. So if you do enjoy the show, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and leave an honest review because I want this resource to serve you with regards to your sports career development. Now, getting back to today's episode, this week's podcast special guest is Seo Olabiosu. Seo is the Secretary General at the African Esports Development Federation, founder of Lagos Esports Forum, and the co-founder of Mobility. And for that reason, it's such a pleasure to have Sayo as a podcast special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Sayo will share his sports career journey and explain to you how education can innovate the esports industry. Sayo, it's such a joy to have you on the podcast show. Please you share to listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Okay. Um, thanks, Ed. Great to be on the podcast and fantastic work you're doing. Uh, my name is Shai Wolabi. Uh, great. Um, Lawyer background, but of course, I haven't practiced for one day. Everybody laughs when I say that. I've been in sports media and marketing for um, over a decade. That was April 2010. I started my journey with a TV station in Lagos, moved over to radio by June during the World Cup. Interestingly, that was the World Cup that was first hosted in Africa, um, South Africa. Then I did a coverage of that on radio every match uh, day right from the beginning to the finals, um, built a profile for myself as a sports media and marketing expert in that space because I worked with the radio station for about two years plus, bringing in a couple of sponsorships uh, to that platform. Then um, in 2013, I set out to uh, with my own production outfit uh, where I worked with different brands um, across Nigeria and some with an Im- imprint in, in on in sub-Saharan Africa. Then, uh, yeah, during that time, like I said, did a lot of content on radio for this uh, brand across Nigeria. Um, I covered the World Cup in 2014 in Brazil, covered a lot of the Super Eagles games, that's the Nigerian national football team, and all the other teams, the women's team and the junior teams. Um, Then 2020 came when everything was going on fine until COVID struck. And it was a blessing in disguise because that brought me into esports fully. Now, the thing about esports for me was 
There were people at the time who were looking to do gaming competitions here and there, and because you are in the sports space, they reach out for consultancies and all that. So I was doing that on the side, but fully got into esports in 2020 uh, with uh, when I created the Legacy Sports Forum with a couple of friends. So I'm a co-founder for that. And um, from that time till now, we've done different things, which include um, education in initiatives, we've done tournaments and leagues, we've also done digital activation for different brands um, across um, online and offline uh, tournaments in Nigeria and in Sub-Saharan Africa. Um, at the moment, I'm the Secretary General for the Africa Esports Development Federation, that's a, the African arm of the, the development arm of the Global Esports Federation. And I sit on two commissions at the Global Esports Federation, also the Education, Culture and Youth Commission and the International Relations and Development Commissions of the um, GEF. Um, yeah, so that's basically my journey over the last 12 plus years in sports and esports. Wow, what a fascinating reply to that answer. Now, I have to go back in time. If you haven't practiced a day in doing law, out of interest, how studying law supported you now looking back? Oh, definitely it has. Because, you know, the thing about law is it, it has its foot or its feet in, in everything. So everything has a, the place of contracts in it, a bit of contract, no matter how small you get into a relationship with someone business relationship any kind of relationship so for example for every brand i have had to work with we signed contracts for what i'm going to deliver to them and what they are going to give me back in terms of compensation it was a contractual agreement with agencies if you had to do with agencies if i was working with a client directly so the law comes in at each of this point and it, I already have an inkling. The only thing sometimes if I can look through the contract is to share with my um, legal advisors. But most of the times I look at it by myself and I'm able to say, okay, this clause is okay. Let's move on with it. And if I'm not okay with any clause, I can say I take it out. But, uh, and, and so, so that works for me in bringing my legal background into every step of the way because I've had to I can count how many contracts I've had to look at and, and examine just for myself and for my organization in doing the different things we've done. So really quickly, just to emphasize this point for people who may follow this path of doing law, but then it wasn't for them of, you know, being an actual lawyer day in, day out. The practical skills and having the right mindset is the key of where it can help you moving forward. Like, I'm really intrigued of how it may have supported you on the radio show of getting those first bit of sponsors, you know, just out, there's just a good example. Yes, yes, valid points, valid points. It's what you can call residual knowledge. So usually we say there's no knowledge lost. That's, that's the kind of experience I have with my legal background. That experience definitely hasn't been lost in any way. It stays with me. It's mine and I'm using it in whatever way it comes about. I love that phrase of what you've just said, no knowledge lost. Now, I want to tap into that experience of that South African Football World Cup. Like, what did you learn with all those radio shows? Because I, I assume that's where you might have learned skills like being resilient, being consistent of like showing up. Like, I'm just painting the picture that, you know, you were creating content and this is like relates to marketing. It, you know, as much as you may not have thought that at the time, I'd just love you to share that experience, what you learned the most from that experience and how it may have supported you now working in the esports industry, because it's all digital content. 
if that makes sense, like decoding it. So yeah, I'd love your thoughts on that side of things. Okay, so so that at that time, which was my first full, like I said, full, full uh, work on radio and being thrown into the mix of a big tournament like the World Cup with a radio station that was top. It was the radio station then was in top three in Lagos. Lagos has a population at that time of about 16 million, which we used to boast of about six, seven million listeners at about that time. So for me, it was confidence building moment. And one that showed that if you really want to go for something, you can achieve it. Not every radio station in Lagos at the time, or even in Nigeria was doing the kind of updates we were doing. So like I said, every match we were doing updates. It wasn't live commentary, but we're giving intermittent updates such that even when we go on a short break, say, we're just looking at, okay, let's come back in the next 10, 20 minutes of the match to give an update. People are calling the other presenters who are doing their own regular belt to say, where are the guys? So the name of the show was Jabulani. They're saying, what, where are the Jabulani guys? Because they need, we want the update. So people are driving and they're asking for updates. So for me, it was a time to build confidence, build muscle. And it was also a time to uh, that showed one that people have needs that, that has to be met. And if you're giving them what they want, then you become a darling of the people. So those two things majorly are, are the learnings from it, which I've brought into eSports. And I think we've been able to fulfill that. Like I told you, the Lagos eSports Forum came into eSports in Nigeria. At the time, everyone was saying they don't have sponsors. And we went all out and created value for sponsors and showed value, not just bring your money, we show them what they would get by bringing their money. And that's what matters to brands. It's, it's all about the ROI. Nobody's in it for charity. It's not a CSR project. That value, that resilience was what the radio show at that time taught me. And I've been able to replicate that with eSports. Well, I've got to dig deep a little bit more from an attitude perspective. Like what you've just said about the updates during like halftime or any break. What, how... how beneficial is it to have an attitude of over delivering it's like you said with the sponsorships just then like having that attitude it leads to better opportunities better results but actually better reputation like I just love your thoughts of the power of over delivering like I love your thoughts on that you've suggested it but I want to emphasize it a bit more because this is crucial if you're listening very carefully what Seo is saying valid point Ed um need, need I say that after that time, we got our first full sponsorship on, on, on our radio show as I was working with that organization. So when I came in, there was no sponsor. But after that, our World Cup highlight didn't take a few months after we got a full sponsorship of our daily show, not even like a weekly show, it was a daily show. And it was all part of what we did during the World Cup that brought about that. So yes, value and that attitude, we gave it all you know, like it meant a lot to us. And it, it of course meant a lot because it was the first, like I said, first World Cup, first and only on the African soil. And we gave it a memorable experience for our listeners on radio. Absolutely. And there's one thing I want to touch on as well, which you mentioned briefly with your first answer is, you know, building your profile, like out of interest, how vital is that for the listeners when you're in those experiences to use it as an opportunity to, build that confidence, which you said, but also build your profile. I love your thoughts on that, please. Yeah, um, there's nothing like that. That's, that's who you are. 
which will translate to what you are. So most of the times you see people um, not give their best because they think a project is not theirs. But the truth is that's something you add to your profile. I'm talking about it today. It wasn't my platform, not my radio station. I wasn't the CEO of the radio station. I wasn't the owner or founder of the station. But it's in my profile today, everything I did on that platform. And I've used it every step of the way. So building a profile is key. And every experience counts. Even the ones that you think you were not well compensated for. Don't go into it thinking about the compensation. Think about what it adds to your profile and what you can do with it on the next level of your journey. So I believe there are people listening. If you were, let's use dollar terms, if you were doing something that you felt you could have been worth $5,000 and you're being given $1,000, trust me, if you're going to negotiate elsewhere, you won't be getting $1,000 because you've built a profile. So your negotiation on the next level because of the experience you gathered here can be that same $5,000 which you should have been paid before or even higher because you have it in your profile. So people need to understand that building a profile is key for the present and it is the entry point to the future. Keep accumulating it. And every experience, like I said, counts, even as a volunteer. Every experience counts. And you bring everything to the table to negotiate your next level. Well, I hope people are taking notes. I want to fast forward back to 2020 now. Like you said at the beginning with the esports, it was like a side hustle, should we say? And now you said in 2020 it was a full-time commitment. Like, could you just paint the journey? of from 2020 to where you are now because a lot of things have happened like i want to give one case study of how we got connected through death kumar palmer and it was the the week of the sort of um mortal combat film coming out you did this awesome event as initiative um because the one thing i'm going to mention before i give you the question is like really esports is part of that entertainment industry which you created at that mortal combat event and i want people to realize that it is part of the sports industry but also part of the entertainment industry if we're going to work in it just paint the picture to the listeners please of this journey now because it's fascinating yes um so um may 2020 uh we started out with the lagos esports forum it's a wholly private even though it has the name lagos lagos is the commercial capital of nigeria but we're not in any way affiliated with the government it's a wholly private organization and as you know it's a forum a forum is a coming together of like minds um who just want to achieve a goal and for us the goal was to educate engage and empower the ecosystem in Nigeria and in Africa. Um, we started out with, with the education bit, uh, which we created the eSports Conversation, a, a webinar, a monthly webinar. That was where Dev and I connected. Dev Kumapama, fantastic, fantastic guy all around. Interestingly, his organization is a partner, a development partner to Ross at the Lagos eSports uh, Forum. So we, we started out with that and we brought speakers from all over the world. And when I say all over the world, such, uh, trust me, we've had speakers from every continent come to speak at the at the esports e conversation, touching on different topics from how to build a team, how to run an esports organization, esports education, um, of course, relationships between publishers and gamers and developers and all that. We have different topics, you know, on that platform. From there, we evolved to run in tournaments. So we created the mobile game tournament. Um, and I must mention that we're big on mobile. When I end this 
uh, talk now, you wouldn't know why I said that. Uh, we started with the mobile game tournament, which was just casual games. Then we ran the first one in August. By October of that same 2020, we ran the second edition. And by then, we thought to ourselves, let's bring in some core games. So apart from Ludo King and Paul Poole, which people played, we decided to add the Call of Duty mobile in October. By the time we did that, also, within between, uh, around that time, we got admitted at me as members of the Global Esports Federation. So there was an opportunity for presenting partners for each region to run the World Connected Series. And we got the rights for, Af for Sub-Saharan Africa. And we ran it on the Call of Duty mobile. Now, look at our trajectory. That was a track record. And that's the thing I'm saying about track record and profile. We had a track record of the mobile game tournament running Call of Duty mobile. So naturally, we just used that. And even though the mobile game tournament was for Nigerian teams only, this was Sub-Saharan Africa. It was easy for us because we already had our tentacles in some countries. So at the end of the day, we had 89 teams from 15 countries play in that from the qualifier stage to the finals. 32 teams got into the final pool that competed. And that was big. That was huge. When the stats were released for all the other regions, we actually had the highest. We had 20% of the, of, of the, of the feedback and, and analysis in, in that from Sub-Saharan Africa. And I can say boldly on this call that that is one reason why Africa has been taken serious by the Global Esports Federation, because we showed that there are potentials here and there's a lot that can be done here. So from there, we moved on into the new year 2021. And naturally for us, we're not going to just do the things we've been doing before. So we created a league which was a spin-off of the World Connected series we did. We created a league on the Call of Duty mobile. We got teams from five countries, play 22 teams, championship division, the lower division and the premier division. 22 teams played for eight weeks from February 15 into sometime in April, at the end of April. So they got to play. Uh, we had winners. We had teams that were relegated. It was known as the African Mobile Community League. Then the one you mentioned in April, the new Mortal Kombat movie was coming out and we felt like, for us, it's not just about gaming or video gaming. It's about the entertainment, the lifestyle that we can craft around it. And we felt like we needed to do something different with that movie. There's a game of it. So we thought to ourselves, why not create a gamified experience? So we created a gamified experience for the new Mortal Kombat movie where we got celebrities and some gamers uh, square up. We had two teams come up against each other uh, and they played at fun on the big screen in the cinemas. And after that, the gamers and the guests in attendance, about 120 people sat in the cinemas and watched the new movie when it, as it premiered. Um, right here in Nigeria. That's something that was not done anywhere. Um, I, and, and we have archived the, um, I think is the writer of the movie who actually liked the tweet we put up on our page about that. We archived it and said, yes, he acknowledges what we did with uh, the, the new Mortal Kombat movie. Then from there, we moved on to start um, the third season of our mobile game tournament and also we're working on the world connected series for 2021 so we did PUBG mobile this time for that one then we moved to the world um, the mobile game tournament third season it was it was fantastic we brought in ps mobile so we're, we're adding we don't just for us we don't just do what we've done before again we love to always add something to it that's what makes it different that's what brings innovation to bear so we did that Again, it was it was cool, and the global esports games was announced, and we put our team together. We ran our qualifiers. We were all set to go to Singapore to play. Then Omicron struck, 
uh, uh, variant of the virus that Singapore and Nigeria from coming in. That's the only reason why we were not part of the Global Sport Games, the first edition that was in Singapore last year. But we didn't stop on our horse. While all this was going on, something we were doing in the background that we didn't show anyone, it was just stealth mode, was building a mobile app for, for gaming for Africans. It's known as Mobili, and um, we were building that from June last year. We did a soft launch in January this year where the app is on the uh, Google Play Store. It will be on the um, App Store for iOS users by second quarter of 2022. And we did that because we 80% of our tournaments were mobile and we saw the challenges we faced because we needed to aggregate this user. So we're making use of Google Forms, using WhatsApp, Discord, and Telegram to communicate. But now we have an app where people can chat in the app and get to square up against each other in the app. You can get to see our tournaments in there and get to play. And it's been getting rave reviews from investors, uh, potential investors, and of course the gamers who are involved in it. So that's been our journey as a group and as an individual. I've also enjoyed the privilege of being the Secretary General for the Africa Esports Development Federation. Uh, that's the development arm of the GF in Africa. And um, with that, we have some great plans in the works for Africa and we'll be unfolding them as time goes on. Wow, what a fascinating reply. And we've got to decode this a little bit, but I'm so glad you started with the education bit because it relates to today's podcast topic like why is education important with regards to the esports industry? Like really quickly, I don't have many people on, like here on my podcast to do the esports. One, because there's other podcasts on it, but two, it's such like a different sport identity. But what I have learned why education is important is we are dealing with athletes who are very young compared to, let's say, from traditional sports. Like the only sport I always relate to is like uh, gymnastics you know, the top ones are between nine to 13. It's the same with gamers. So just relating to your point, like why is it important that education is involved then, should we say, and you know this better than I do say, like the hype of esports with the investment side, the big, you know, tournaments, the big prize money. Of course, that's important with an ecosystem, but surely there needs to be education implemented from a parent perspective, uh, an industry perspective as well. So I, I want to know, why is it important education from this pillar of, you know, progression from an industry standpoint, which you're experiencing? Okay, so, so the thing about education is it's, it's because of where we are. I mean, our system Africa, people do not have a clue. So we met, there were people we met on this journey and we thought they knew, but we discovered having gotten into the space and with the little things we've done, we saw that people actually have no clue. And when you do not know something, what do you do? You go for knowledge. So between now, between the time I got in and now, I've gone to do a course at the Johan Cruyff Institute on eSports. Now that's the way to learn. That's the way to get in tune. And, and you can't imagine how much of research I do. My archive is full of different links, I've seen different things we've seen, and that's the way we work at the Lagos Esports Forum with my team. We see things and we put it up on our group chat, and we're debating about it. Quality debate, quality conversations about any development we get to see. Education is what would unlock what seems to be 
too big, if I can, if, if for, for want of a better word. Something seems big to you. If you know about it, you would know how to crack it. And that's for us is the reason why we felt education was the first thing. There was need for people to know. If you don't know, there is no way you can access it. So every time an African wants to talk, and we've seen that happen with government officials and the likes, they are only talking about the statistics. Oh, esports is worth some XYZ billion dollars globally. But have you asked the question of how they built it to that point? Have you asked the question of what is the key element for you to build to that point? Education on our side, and of course, diligent observation was what made us know that mobile was the way. So while everybody was chasing console games and console tournaments, we were building mobile initiatives, mobile tournaments, mobile activations for brands. And now everybody's not coming to queue in that line and say, oh, mobile is key, mobile is key, mobile is first. We had known that over 20 months ago. They are just catching it in the last three, four, five, six months. So education is what would help you unlock what seems not to be accessible. If you're not educated about it, then there's nothing you can do about it. And there's a saying around here where I come from that if you don't train them, don't blame them. And that's why we believe that let's get the training in there. Anyone you don't get to train and misbehaves, there's no way you don't blame them. But if we get to train you and you understand the key things, then you know that this is the way to go. And what can I say? Using the example of the British Esports Association and all of UK right now, you can see universities, colleges, uh, um, uh, and, and all that, even in the US, opening up esports departments esports ops right within the school, meaning that the education route is the first thing. When we get that right, then we can begin to build. It's like the foundation. When we get the foundation right, then you can begin to build your structures on it. But when the foundation is faulty, you set up any structure on it, it's going to come crashing down in no time. So I've got a huge smile on my face because it's that point you said when we see the big numbers, the billions of what an industry's worth, we get carried away. And I loved where you backed it up. Actually, I was going to relate to that mobile tournament you done. You said you got 20% of like the engagement and the data, like the data doesn't lie of having data experts on, but just, you know, we got, we talked about the education, but with regards to working in the esports industry, again, I like to demyth that just because you're good at playing games doesn't mean you're going to be good in the esports industry. So could you just share like what attitude you need to work in the esports industry as a, like a, you know, an industry professional. I'll, I'll just really love your thoughts on that, please. Know that you may not end up being a gamer. So it's not only gamers that work in the industry. And unfortunately, just as we have it with traditional sports where everybody wants to play football, everybody wants to play basketball, there are several other roles you can play. So the first thing you need to know, and it takes us back to education, the first thing you need to know is to understand all the value proposition within the ecosystem. Then find the one that suits you and be innovative at it. What makes you different? The same way there is uh, the, the, the guys who run Jim Beglin and, 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 and the other guy who run commentaries for the Premier League. Why have they held on for so long? So as a shoutcaster, if you're an esports organizer, if you're a community manager, what makes you different from every other person? What's the innovation you're bringing into that role? That's the kind of mindset you need to bring into esports. The truth is, if you think you can come into esports and do the mundane, I'm not sure you would scale. You would just be there 
whether an organization, whether as an individual, but you know, choosing a career, you must come in with every level of innovation. Because one of the things we look out for, so we have a few people who are staffed with us, you know, working with us uh, um, full-time, part-time. The first thing I look out for when, when, we, when we're discussing with them is innovation. I ask them for something innovative. Whether I give you on the spot or I give you time to revert to me, just come up with something innovative. If you can't crack it, then I'm not sure you have it in you. Because esports is not traditional sports. You need innovation to scale. And that's what has brought us this far. Then why would we not keep using the trick that works for us? Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot just for some keen listener to understand a bit more of what you look in staff. You said innovation a lot already on this podcast chat. What is your definition of innovation? And could you just give a little example that puts into place of what even you look for when building a team or when you want to venture into another ecosystem sector of the esports industry in general? I love your thoughts with regards to your definition of innovation. Okay, so innovation comes in four places. So it comes in the place of radicality. So radical means it's out of the box, not what anyone can think about. Innovation comes in the place of difference. What makes you different from that person? So there are 10 people on the table. Why will I come from you for you? Innovation comes in the place of genuine creativity because everyone talks about creativity, but I usually love to qualify it as genuine because some people think they're creative, but they're not. That's the third one. And the final one, innovation comes in the place of architecture. How do you present it? So there are people who have it, but they can't even present it. And we all know that it's in the place of presentation. That's why they say what you see is what you get. If, you, if I can't see it, if you can't architecturally, whether physical or virtually, present it to me to see, then I'm not sure it's innovative or it's innovation. I have several, but I think the, the two things that come to mind as innovation from our side, as the Lagos Sports Forum and with the platform we built, would be the what we did with the Mortal Kombat movie. We got feedbacks from across the continent and even beyond about that. It was innovative, creating a gamified experience for that movie. I'm not sure I've heard anything like that on the continent before now. And the second thing is creating the mobile game platform, Mobili, which we created. And why is that different? There are different platforms. There were, there were platforms already on the continent, but they have a blend of everything, PC games, mobile games, and uh, console games. But we decided to do something. So like what I said, genuine creativity, it existed before. Or what makes it different? And it will make us lose the plot. The plot is to ride on the mobile, pen, uh, mobile penetration on the continent, the growth of tech on the continent. Then what else would you use to fill that gap in esports other than a mobile game tournament, uh, a mobile game platform? And that's why we created that. So for me, I think those two would answer my question on what level of innovation we brought into the space. Um, on expectation, like I said, it's usually done on the spot. So I understand some people can crack it on the spot. So there are people who I give time to revert. But if you're able to reach those four points, it's radical, there's a difference, there's genuine creativity, and you can architecturally depict it, then you would definitely be our guy or lady, as the case may be. 
Sal, I hope the listeners are taking notes because when I was listening to you, even myself, you those four key points without a doubt reflect that Mortal Kombat. Like that's how we got connected because I said, how cool was it? You had music there, you had the tournament there, you had the film. <laughs> yeah. It's entertainment. Yeah. There was exactly. a to where people took pictures with props and all that. It was, it was just all around fun. And also what was I loved about it as well, you hit different generations like, you know, let's say I feel old now. I'm, you know, 29. And, you know, I was playing that game when I was about 9 to 11, that sort of era on PlayStation 1. And exactly. Everybody, everybody played. Now it's on it's on 10, I think now so everybody played at one point or the other the evolution of the Mortal Kombat game so yeah it was fun precisely that's where it that what for an innovation point of view that's where it was key it was how you got all the generations to to buy into this event and again I just hope that people are taking notes now the one that I do want to touch on with regards to decision making now because from I'll be honest from 2021 to where you are now things have just escalated in a great way, but I, I want to touch on making effective decisions with your data. You said already with that first mobile tournament, you got 20%. You could, if you wouldn't mind going in depth, because I only caught a little bit, you said you got like 20% of like the users of like, could you just touch on that bit of 20% data? Because the point is it was from that data, I assume to focus on mobile gaming, then the other. I said 80%, I said 80% of our tournaments. 80% of tournaments, got you. Yes, we're mobile. 80% of our tournaments are mobile. So if you look at all the things I've said to you on this uh, podcast, only Mortal Kombat and um, qualifiers for the Global Esports Games were non-mobile activations. Every other thing were mobile. So 80% of what we do is tied to mobile. Wow. Okay, so my point is, when you saw that 80%, how that made you as a leader or a, you know a co-founder going right the data shows we've got to follow this path because it's obviously you know what people are doing and what people want to do as well like I just want to emphasize that you don't make a decision just straight on gut you have I assume data to to back it up um, so could could we touch on that with your decision making because I think this is crucial in any industry sector by the way but I think it's important to remind ourselves of how to make an effective decision with gut and with data 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 simplifies your worry time or strategy time i think data simplifies strategy time because the data would point you in the direction you need to go rather than when you're strategizing without the data to back it up and that's that's something we have held on to for so long that's why we understand data is why we understand that it's nigeria ghana kenya and south africa first in phase one of opening up mobility. Yes, it's for all of Sub-Saharan Africa, but don't you think we'll run out of gas if we're approaching over, over 30 countries at once? We need to face it out. So it simplifies strategy. Data already shows we have participants in our mobile uh, different activations from these four countries. The only country I didn't add to that where we've had a good number of people is Mauritius. So they are in phase two because data shows we can classify Mauritius with some other people, Senegal, Cote d'Ivoire, uh, Rwanda, and the likes. So data, rather than guts, is why we followed this path. So it wasn't gut feeling that made us say, oh, let's do mobile gaming, or let's stick to mobile gaming. No, the data was there. 
And New Zoo just early this year released their statistics, and it showed that Africa had the highest returns in terms of revenue. And do you know why Africa had that number? 86% of the figures were returned by mobile gaming. Console and PC shared the remaining 14%. Data yet again shows us you're on the right path. Keep at it. So do you think we need much strategy? I don't think so. We only need to execute because data has simplified the process of strategizing. I'm busting ahead to want to crack the market. We already know where the market is. What we need to do now is to execute and get the job done. So yes, data over guts, over guts all day, all day. This is so good to hear this because sometimes we just get away with ourselves of our hunch or our gut. Um, it, it just brought a big smile to my face. But with regards to this stage now where you are, and I, of course, there's this confidentiality, but from a learning process, like how are you enjoying the journey of like the investor's journey? Like what have you learned from this experience now of the phase of, you know, your business growing? I'd love your thoughts if you can on certain areas from a learning standpoint, for example. Yes. First learning is that this is serious business. So don't forget, even while even though we're running a business, we've never really gone for investment. We only pitch to sponsors. And it's a different ballgame when you're pitching to sponsors because that's one-off ROI. But an investor is ready to go with you on a journey. It's a marathon with a journey. It's a sprint with a sponsor. So the learning sure shows that um, we need to put in the work um, we need to show why someone should embark on this journey with us. So one of the things you did to get me on the podcast was to show me what the podcast had done before and is looking to do. You didn't just say, oh, Shia, come on the podcast. No, you shared the profile of the podcast. You shared what the podcast was like. You told me to check out, even though I've been following, <laughs> by the way, you told me to check out um, all uh, past editions and past uh, guests and all that. So the point is, we need to show that. That's what the journey of, of seeking investment for, for Mobile has shown us. And it's been interesting. I've been loving every step of it. I, I may not be able to mention the names of some of the venture capitalists we've spoken to, but it's been an amazing journey. Have they all said yes, no? But the beauty of it is there's a seed sown in them already that some of them are only waiting for you to come back to say, we've struck this chord, a chord that strikes with them, oh, we've done this. And they will say, it is time to get on board with you. So for us, we're learning every step of the way, picking learnings from every feedback we've gotten, and we're preparing for the future because we have a few commitments on the table already, We're looking to do a proper launch into the countries I mentioned for our phase one, if we get the, the required funds. Um, if not, we're limited to just two or three of them. But there's a learning every step of the way, and that's what we're taking into the, the future, uh, which is right there ahead of us. So I'm so grateful that you shared that. And thank you for using my podcast as an example, because the whole point, I sent you those <laughs> links, is hopefully your yeah. end, when you check me out, it's, is Ed credible? 
And it's the same thing. I exactly. assume your end, it's like, exactly. is Seho, is exactly. Lagos Esports credible? So I, you know, I have, like you said, there's that chord that has that, I don't know, common interest, which leads to hopefully a, a common partnership with regards to a vision moving forward from an enterprise standpoint. So look, I love the micro case study of my podcast. I think it's important. And I hope, I hope the listeners are learning too. But so out of interest, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey? Like looking back from the last 12 years, right at this moment? Mm, I'd say, so if I was going to sound, so I'd sound, um, pardon me, vain. <laughs> <laughs> By, by saying the fame, I was off radio for a while during the journey and I was at a place and I was talking with someone. Now, I wasn't shouting. I wasn't talking into a microphone. I was just having a one-on-one chat with someone. And someone walked behind me, stopped and said, sorry, are you shy of... So I used to have a partner who was known as Ayo, which is of my own name. So he, he was like, are you Shayo of Shayo and Ayo on radio? <laughs> and I was like, um, yes, <laughs> I had that voice. And it just resonated that this is this voice I hear on radio. And that was me off radio for a while, like I said. So how did that person still connect? So like I said, that's me being vain to say the fame side of it. But in all sincerity, I think for me, it's about waking up to meet people's yearnings. And I'm glad because it didn't just stop with esports. It's happening with, um, it didn't just stop with sports. It's happening with esports. So we've set a standard such that people in the ecosystem in Nigeria, in sub Saharan Africa, are asking, when is the next thing from us? That's how much of an impression we've left on them, how much of an impact we've made in the ecosystem that people are asking when, what is next with them. So it happens with sports when I leave a platform and I'm done with a project, maybe I do a radio content for a brand on a platform and I'm off to the next one. People come to me on social media and say, where next are we? Or where's the next station? Or where's the next project you're doing? Because they want to listen in. You know, so that for me is the fulfillment in this journey. I haven't been able to meet people's yearnings and being able to give them what they want um, as they want it. So I think that's that's a bit of fulfillment for me. Look, firstly, there's nothing wrong with fame. It's how you control it with positive fulfillment, as you said, and confidence. So I want to get that out there because I think what you've done in your radio career, I think is admirable, to be honest. And I learned a lot during this conversation just on that segment of your career but look so I've really enjoyed this conversation and you've provided bags of guidance given some real good case studies as well of what it really takes to pursue a career in the esports industry but I'd like to finish with an inspirational question out of interest like what are your three top qualities that the listener can apply with regards to starting a career in the esports industry what would those three qualities be? Okay, um, first quality is to be teachable. So don't assume you know it all. Be very, very teachable. Um, that's very important. I'll go back to my mantra, be innovative. <laughs> there's, there's a quote, no regular quote, innovate or die. 
you know it's it's you need innovation if you don't innovate then you become a dinosaur and you go extinct because you just do regular things and I, I don't believe in doing regular so teachable um innovative and most importantly i think you need to believe in yourself so there will be a lot of doubts along the way especially depending on where you are and depending on what you want to do so so many people didn't believe there were some things we could achieve or i could achieve that we have achieved so we and i same and we have achieved them because we believed in ourselves and like i said we're teachable teachable to know what we know so it's not everything we have the capacity the capacity for we go all out to learn about it we innovate and most importantly we believe in ourselves Absolutely. And actually, I really like your first one being teachable. It goes back to the beginning of the conversation of, you know, learning the education first as the foundation. And then that will give you the stepping stones from a practical standpoint in the industry with regards to where you are in your career journey. So I love that first one. Out of interest, Sarah, how can people interact with you on social media? Like where are the best places to go? Um, Twitter, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. Shayola be all through. S-A-Y-O-O-W-O-L-A-B-I. All through the three platforms. Amazing. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website with regards to this podcast chat. So it's been such a joy chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ed. A pleasure being here. What a fascinating podcast chat with Seho. I really don't know where to start of how much I enjoyed it, but from a podcast perspective of why education is important in esports, I hope you've got a better understanding of why. And like he said, it's the first pillar with regards to understanding this industry ecosystem and really knowing what's going on. Like he said, what was really interesting is when he's getting his hands dirty with his team working in this industry. You know, he was asking questions from other practitioners, other companies, and they didn't know the knowledge. So they made and created the knowledge with that webinar series. So that's where the innovation kicks in. But with regards to Seho and his journey, I hope you've learned a lot. For example, if you're studying law at any level, if you are working in broadcasting at any level, I hope you see the transition of Anything's possible when transferring skill sets, knowledge into different industries, sectors and roles. That's what I loved about learning from Sayo, how he never led working somewhere an obstacle. He used it as leverage with regards to building his profile. So like he said, he studied law, but didn't practice law, but he used the skills from law, meaning understanding contracts and how things are done properly, which I promise you would have helped him understand sponsorship with regards to the radio show and then he elevated his skill sets of being on radio with regards to working in the football industry with that world cup and then he transitioned into the esports industry where things have really come to another level with regards to the investment side like he said sponsorships like a sprint and investment is like a marathon so I hope you learn a lot just from Sarah's journey, which you can apply to yours, like looking at the different stages of the skill sets and knowledge and how can it apply you right now with regards to what you want to do and what you want to achieve. And finally, the biggest aspect, which I just love throughout this whole conversation is innovation. 
I think that's so important from a career standpoint, not just working in the esports industry or sports industry, but actually our own careers, having that innovation approach because it really keeps us fresh, actually keeps us more motivated. I actually got more motivated the more I listened and edited this podcast chat with say because understanding innovation as a tool for you to self-evaluate but also think moving forward with new ideas and new opportunities it keeps you fresh in this industry particularly when the sports industry is so fast it's like a 24-hour machine that doesn't stop we do need to stop at times and recharge those batteries but innovation is the way to get back in the game and really focus on what we want to do and what we want to achieve so I really do hope you can put one learning lesson from Sam, put it into your sports career journey right now. So what are you going to put into place with regards to your development and make it happen now and do it. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Sam said, you need to be teachable, have innovation and most importantly, believe in yourself and what you want to do and achieve.